All right, Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. Uh, Bud, as always, will thank our friends out at Tarpon Cellars, uh, one of the legitimate better Cabernets that's out there on the market, as well as assorted options, tarponcellars.com. Knollcast is 20% off. And I have, I'm hesitant to even do this, Bud, because if you're listening to us, you're not having a hard time finding us, but our podcast host slash provider has failed and we aren't making it to iTunes for whatever reason. In addition to a couple other podcast platforms, uh, Apple podcasts very much being the dominant one. So uh, know that we haven't stopped podcasting. And again, this is kind of counterintuitive because if you're listening to us and you're probably listening to us on Spotify or somewhere where the pods are actually being delivered. Uh, but just want to reiterate, we're having a hard time. We're in the middle of changing over and literally as quick a manner as possible. Uh, but these things take days, not hours, and uh, we'll we'll be back up and at it. But I apologize to those of you who have not gotten a podcast notification in quite a while. And I can assure you, we're still out here doing this. Yeah, uh, super annoying, uh, obviously. Now, look, I would encourage you guys. Uh, Spotify, I think, is very good as well for podcasts if you're, if you're into that. If you're on Twitter, make sure you're following us. We have, what do we have, like 14,000? I know we have more than 14,000 people subscribed to the Nolcast across the various podcasting platforms that can see the analytics. You know, if you'd like us enough to subscribe to us on a podcast, be sure to hit us up. Subscribe to us on Twitter. That's that's really where, that's our best avenue to post status updates of the show, right? And look, you know what doesn't go down very often? YouTube. Crush fingers. All the shows have been making it to YouTube as well as what, Spotify. I think they've been making it to Stitcher. Or um, since you're one of the ones we, we missed. So Podbean, I know a lot of people have Podbean, yeah. so we use it's landing there. So yeah. I'm, Check us out on, on YouTube for sure. Uh, even if it's just for you know for this week, uh, your your subscription uh, on YouTube free, obviously, just like hitting like and subscribe uh, certainly helps out our numbers as well. We really appreciate you guys uh, sticking to us. And you know what, man? I think the post LSU show was much better viewed on YouTube. Anyway, so you guys should go watch that. Like that's because obviously we never put that on on Apple intentionally. Uh, and if it had to happen, try to look on the bright side here. Having it happen during the bye week is not the worst thing ever. But uh, certainly, yeah, we're we're pretty annoyed with SoundCloud about this right now. Yeah. So uh, we'll jump into kind of reviewing what we tried to learn, what we hope to learn uh, from, from week two there. And, uh, it is a interesting weekend that did not disappoint at all. So, uh, we'll start out with a Friday night watch Louisville traveled down to central Florida. Uh, one of the, not exactly, you know, poetry in motion watching either of those two teams play at the same time, I'm going to be a little bit redundant as to what I said last week. I'm just hesitant to try to extrapolate too much from anything that Louisville does, particularly, when we know how well Scott Scatter, Scott Satterfield has matched up with uh, with with Fuller in the past, I mean, I, I, you can certainly say that there were some adjustments and level of play in the second half last year was better in the Louisville game. It was. I'll also tell you, the first half was one of the most uh, just infallible performances that I've seen as far as defense not able to stop a thing. So, uh, did. Did Cunningham look pretty average? Yeah, he, he did. He also still ran for north of 120 yards and you know made the occasional play when necessary. And there's little doubt in my mind that he'll probably look like a different player come uh, come this Friday night. Agreed. So I think you have to view Louisville in a couple of different lights. And to your point, I mean, look, Louisville, the last two first halves, it has played against FSU. 62 points. 
All right. Like Scott Satterfield has absolutely owned Adam Fuller since, since Fuller got to FSU. I don't really care about the second half adjustments. It's not that hard to make second half adjustments. If you're getting worked that bad in the first half, like you just do anything different almost. And it, it could help you out. Additionally, I'm of the opinion, I don't want to relitigate this again, but I'm of the opinion that Louisville changed how it called plays in the second half to be less like to be more risk averse because they were not confident FSU was going to score and they already had a nice multi-score cushion pretty much throughout. So anyway, um, I was not super impressed. I agree with you with the Louisville offense. I don't think they have a whole lot in terms of dynamic playmakers at receiver, but Lee Cunningham is still one of the very best quarterbacks in this conference when they let him be that thing. In the first half, they were trying to have him drop back a lot. And I was like, what? I thought you guys were kidding, right? The 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 anchorman line. I, I thought this was a, just a, a cruel joke about making him a pocket passer. He's a runner. He's not going to play in the NFL. Let, let this kid run around. And in the second half, they did. He finished with well over 100 rushing yards. And, uh, you know, like to me, that's, that's what you got to be afraid of. He is a really dynamic runner. And Louisville ultimately does have an offensive line they feel really good about. I'm not sure that line has been quite as good as they think it is through two games, though. So we'll have to see. If FSU is going to go in there and win this game, its defensive line has to win. We're going to say that a lot this year, most likely. But it's your strength. It's like if you're a pitcher with a good fastball, you got to locate it. got to have it be good on that day if you want to get the W. Uh, Louisville's defense, look, i got to give them some credit. They did improve a lot in the second half. And yet I also think that – this is some classic Gus Malzahn stuff, man. I love what he does offensively until he decides he's going to run some drop back stuff. And that's Ooh. just trash. And he said in the second half or in the interview before the second half that Louisville was giving him a lot of looks they had to be able to throw against. I think Louisville's baiting you guys into throwing here. You need to understand you, you signed John Rice Plumley, who, by the way, hit our over on prize picks easily. I, I don't think we're going to have a uh, hit our, our under. Uh, oh, under, excuse me, un, under on the passing yards. Yeah, well, well yeah. over. On the rushing yards, I don't think we're going to be seeing numbers that start with uh, two something anymore for him passing the ball. Most likely, from I don't know that we'll need to see another two forty nine number, which is where Promo we grabbed it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, can... A lot of you guys have signed up for that, by the way. It is a lot of fun to be able to have just you know a, a, a little a little bit of interest in each game as you go on through the afternoon. Something you can track. Uh, Louisville's defense was better. I will also note that UCF's passing was by the national standards in the zeroth. Zero with zero zero percentile. How, how do you how do you properly say that the the zeroth? Because uh, like ninety ninth is clearly like the th. Yeah, yeah. They they were zero percentile in their passing EPA. They were one hundred percentile in their rushing EPA. They threw or dropped back thirty eight times. Again, Louisville did the thing to them where they basically baited them into throwing the ball. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you, if Louisville just running those looks, they would have done better than zero percentile. Even though they were not advantageous looks to run the ball with, no look is an advantageous look to throw the ball with if you have John Rice Plumley, unless it's like on the goal line, they forgot to cover somebody to only have 10 men on the field. And even then, you could probably run quarterback sweep to that side and still score, and that would be safer when you have him chucking it around. Uh, early line in this game is FSU minus one and a half, minus two. Uh, I think it'll stay in that range. If this gets out to three, people will definitely bet Louisville. Um but yeah, I think this is probably a good number. Yeah. Yeah. Not to belabor the point on Plumbling, but even when he did del ca deliver a catchable ball, uh, the wide receivers didn't exactly do him any favors either. That was a, a crazy offense to watch. And uh, you can see why that kid was playing some wide receiver at Ole Miss, certainly.
All right. Um, last thought on Louisville, and this relates to Syracuse, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the loss for Louisville to Syracuse is a little bit more understandable now because Syracuse did go out there and smoke UConn like a – not a top 10, but like I would expect a, a top somewhere between 20 to 35-ish team to beat UConn by 35-plus, right? And that's what – on the road, that's what Syracuse went and did. So – Louisville's loss to Syracuse, well, it made me a little bit lighter in my wallet, is now a little bit more understandable given that Syracuse does look to be pretty legit. And we'll talk more about them in a second. Next game I'm going to talk about, though, is Boston College, man. Uh, they were without their best defensive end, and they were without Ozzie Trapio, their uh, best offensive lineman. Recall that they already lost all five offensive linemen for last year because Christian Mahogany, who was their only returning starter, blew his knee playing pickup basketball. So, look, Boston College just at this point does not have anybody who can block, right? They, they allowed an ungodly amount of pressure on Filter Kovic. They, they just can't protect him at all. And uh, every team they play, I, I would think, that has a pulse is going to get a lot of pressure on them. That kickoff time was announced for 8 p.m. So mm -hmm. I do like night games in, in, uh, in September in Tallahassee for next weekend. FSU could play its D game and beat Boston College right now, given the personnel BC has. It's remarkable. I mean, you made that comment to me uh, last week when we were recording about the state of their offensive line, and it's it's worse than I thought it was. I mean, it made made Virginia Tech look like you know Virginia Tech circa two thousand one or something like yeah. that. And and you can just it doesn't matter that you have Zay Flowers at that point, man. You can just scheme totally to take that kid out of the game, and it. Uh, it's it's wild how bad an offense that is. It, it really is. Tech was getting free with a three-man rush. They could double Zay Flowers. They can double two other guys. They could decide like they're going to play with 10 men for a little while if they want to and still be <laughs> still be okay. Do you remember Willie's offensive line the first year when Josh Ball, and this was on the staff, were thinking they could get this guy in mm -hmm. uh, or reinstated. And then who went down? If somebody went down in camp. Uh, it was the two – I mean, the two guys that you always had injured were the two – Dickerson and who was the other – Minshew? Was that the other big physical kid? I think Minshew was gone, but or like, but Minshew wasn't playing tackle. Or, anyway, who, who like if, if you recall that line, just how bad that was in Willie's first year, I'm pretty sure this is worse. Like Boston College just – and they normally have good offensive lines, but they're now down their top seven guys from last year. And BC is a, a legitimate academic school, so you can't take a lot of transfers in. They're in kind of the same spot UVA is, I think, where uh, – I don't know if you guys realize this. UVA was plus five in turnovers against Illinois and lost by 25. I think UVA is the worst team in the league. Okay. But Boston College is close. Boston College is right there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Wake? Uh I mean, you you knew you knew what uh, you were getting if Hartman was coming back and kind of reminded people of that. Now, Vandy helped him out a little bit. Didn't I think Wake had a pick six and a, another pretty impactful turnover. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll just you know you consume the Wake game when it gets here. Certainly feel better about the BC game as you talked about. If you're approaching this as a three and one team or certainly as a four and zero team, uh, it's you know not necessarily where we thought you'd be. But uh, it's going to be a challenge. Hartman's a hell of a player, great college quarterback. Um, 
I, I expected them to beat Vandy. I didn't see a 45-25 score. I I did, actually. Uh, that that was one of my favorite plays of the weekend. I I, I took them at six, and then also I, I laid I laid thirteen and a half on game day. Like I I really I I was going to bet them at ten without Hartman because I feel like the power ratings are overrating Vandy somewhat because of they're not they haven't caught up quite yet to how bad Hawaii is and Vandy beat Hawaii by fifty. So all of a sudden the the, the rating systems see Vandy as like oh SEC. And then they have a 50 point win over an FBS team. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, that's Hawaii's like a Juco level team, or no, but they're like a D, they're like a, a middling FCS team right now, maybe a little bit worse. So I did see some weakness from Wake's defense ultimately. Um, I, I thought their defense was probably not going to be that much better this year. And we'll see if it is, but FSU should at worst, or at worst, rather, be three and one when Wake comes to town. And if they're three and one and Wake is undefeated, which who does Wake have this weekend? Good podcasting here. I should have I should have made some notes on this. All right. So Wake uh Wake goes to Clemson. They host Liberty uh, this weekend. They should beat them because Liberty's uh, starting quarterback is out. They go to Wake or excuse me, they host Clemson and then they go to FSU. So Wake should be three and one, right? One Two, three. Wake should be three and one. FSU should be four and zero or three and one. Right, by the time this game comes along, and if that happens, that's probably a prime time ish game. Uh, if like maybe like an ESPN two game or maybe prime time ACC network or something like that. And if FSU is three and one, they're ranked. I I think right, uh, most likely. And if that happens, you're going to have a pretty nice crowd. And that could be a, a real big help for you. I'm not sure Wake's defense is all that good, to be honest. And that's still a game I would have FSU favored in. Probably by a little bit less than I did preseason just because of the fact that Hartman is back. And I, I didn't think he was going to be back so quickly. And I'm, I'm not really sure the Wake Forest people did either. Moving on, we will thank our friends, uh, Chad and Shannon. As always, want to remind you the number is 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Bud has used their services twice. More than 450 of y'all outside of my co-host uh, have used the service. Shannon is exactly who we say he is. I've never worked with anybody uh, that's had as much positive, consistent feedback as Shannon Young has. And uh, look, it's a different market. It's a challenging market, uh, depending on where you are. And I would encourage you to equip yourself with the best tools possible. And uh, there is no better club to pull from your bag than that of Shannon Young. So uh, brilliant team there. Team we're fortunate enough to work with for as long as we are. 844-FSU-LOAN and a big thanks to them. No doubt about it. Those guys are awesome. I actually just recommended Shannon to one of the guys in my neighborhood group chat. Uh, yesterday. I was like, hey, I've used this guy twice. He's awesome. Telling us at you. All right. So, uh, yeah, by the way, Shannon, if Doug comes, he may not use the 844 FSU loan because I actually shared your personal cell with him. Uh, so put that one on, on the tally uh, for the Nolcast as well. All right. NC State, Charleston Southern, not a lot to take away from this one. NC State did smoke them. I, I thought NC State was a little leaky on offense in the first game. To be honest, I don't really think there's a whole lot to take from this other than I looked at their, their post game press conference. There are no new injuries that, that I, I saw Doran talk about. So 
That's of note. Who does NC State have this weekend? Texas Tech, I believe. This should be interesting because last year they played an air raid team in Mississippi State, and Mississippi State gave those guys some trouble. Now, FSU does not throw the ball uh, with the frequency or effectiveness, typically, of an air raid team. Uh, Texas Tech does have its backup quarterback playing, although he's not that bad. Like I don't think the drop-off between Tyler Show and uh, and Donovan Smith is that great. But this should be something that we're going to learn a little bit about NC State's secondary. And Texas Tech's defense is not good. So if NC State struggles again here and they, they win this game like 27-24 or even if it's like you know, 30, like 31-27 could be a struggle offensively in terms of efficiency because Texas Tech does play at that insane pace. So this is probably more one of those like 15-16 possession games. And if you're only scoring high 20s, low 30s at home against Texas Tech on 15-16 possessions, I think maybe you, you start to worry about this offense a little bit. I, I always hate their offensive coaching, just what they do. But, uh, again, they have played really well offensively against FSU the last two years. And I, I know the Knowles will be looking for some revenge uh, in this spot. Anyway, I I don't really have a whole lot more to take from that. Uh, you watched a little bit of Clemson, didn't you? Yeah, watched a little bit of Clemson. Um Interesting, man. I, I certainly, and this wasn't just like your garden variety fan. I I think a lot of Clemson people thought that they would get uh, Cade at least a quarter, if not more, of action. Uh, just to go ahead and, and see what that really looks like. Uh, obviously, people were really excited and, you know, never has a fan base extrapolated too much from a possession or two. But, uh, you know, you wanted to go out there and see what that kid looked like other than just playing a tired uh, Georgia Tech defense that had kind of at that point thrown up the white flag. Uh, I think Cade's stats on the afternoon were one of four. I mean, not exactly this this great uh, this great run out to get a kid ready. So, I mean, Dabo's going to Dabo, and Dabo is wonderfully rich at this point and kind of equally stubborn, and I, I think he's almost kind of uh, decided to take the oxygen out of the quarterback argument by limiting what he shows. I will say that, uh, and this is obviously adjusted for the fact that they were paying, playing the purple paladins of Furman. Um, it was probably the best I've seen DJU look. I mean, still kind of choppy uh, as far as consistent throughout the course of the game, but probably his best performance that I've seen from him at quarterback. And as a Florida state fan, I think you just kind of welcome that, you know, be good enough to not, explore a quarterback changeover and hope that he has a bad day in Tallahassee and, and you can get, uh, you know, the win that uh, maybe you kind of were ever so fortunate to flirt and live as close as you were last year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, look, we talked last episode on the lack of offensive experience of Clemson's offense. I will go back to that Georgia Tech game. I was I was going through some data and Clemson's drop rate in that game was astronomically high. They do have some some injuries at receiver. We'll see who they get back. I mean, given FSU's luck, it feels like everybody always gets their guys back on time uh, for that game. But you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't think DJ is good necessarily, but I don't think he's very well coached there at Clemson. And Cade is still a true freshman. Do you want to take a true freshman on the road to Tallahassee? Maybe, maybe you do. And look, you may only need twenty points. Right. There's not a whole lot of, of teams on the schedule where I would just flat out predict your offensive line to get whipped. But Clemson's one of them. Right. And I, I like that's not a game that I think 
I mean, I look at this right now. I, I would make the total of this game like 44. You know, thinking about that, I will be interested to see because they, if you're Clemson, you almost want to go with the guy who's going to limit mistakes there and just make FSU drive the length of the field, try to win some kind of ugly defensive slugfest. But I, I am surprised they didn't get him more throws, man. Yeah, but I wonder if that's Dabo just like fueling the the you know, quarterback, like trying to not add more fuel to the quarterback competition fire. Yep, yep. Just don't even give it oxygen. Absolutely. That's what one outsider thinks anyway. So um, next game we're going to look at is Georgia Tech versus Western Carolina. Georgia Tech comes out and is flirting with doing the Scott Frost special of just, you know, damn the buyout. We're going to have to let you go. And by that, I mean they're down 14-7 to out of the gate against Western Carolina at that point. Go on a pretty good run. Um, Jeff Sims, and we can reference their prize picks here. I think his number was 171 yards or something, and we picked the over. Jeff Sims threw it for 100 yards. I mean, that's uh, I, that's – that's wild, man. That kid can look like he's got uh, a whole hell of a lot of potential and uh, and then give you a series where it doesn't look like he can play college ball. And uh, you express your criticism or at least skepticism, not criticism, of the offensive staff there. Uh, yeah, I've got to say that that looked all the more warranted. I mean, you get 100 yards from a back who kind of carries you, but uh, this was supposed to be like your offensive output for the year, basically. <laughs> and uh, – yeah, yeah, thirty-five, seventeen. Georgia Tech beats after, after going down fourteen to seven at home. There is some chance that Georgia Tech's defense is, is better than I realize, but I'm not really sure about that, man. Like they they lost some very important pieces to the transfer portal, and they have not been recruiting exceptionally well. So, are they better coached now that Collins is back with his hands fully on the defense? Probably. I think Jeff Collins is a good defensive coordinator. But this offense is just not scary in any way. And, and I think Jeff Sims might be the best part of this offense. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have guys who scare you, really. They don't block where the damn – if Jordan Travis is healthy, you're winning this football game because he can get you to 28. And I don't think Georgia Tech can score 28 offensive points on, the, on FSU and maybe like turnovers and punt blocks and all that kind of stuff. But – Healthy Jordan Travis gets you to a number, you know, close to 30, if not over 30, and that should be enough to win this football game. Yeah, healthy Jordan Travis. It's worth noting that Georgia Tech's best defensive player sat out the first half with a targeting uh, that carried over from the Clemson game, but still uh, not not exactly the effort that I thought you would see from North Avenue uh, or from the lads down on North Avenue uh, on Saturday. So uh, one person that you can always be confident as to the level of attention and effort is our man, Matt Lewis, Congruity HR is congruityhr.com is the website. Congruity is the company. Uh, just an incredible amount of feedback uh, that we have gotten on Matt uh, recently, all of it obviously being very positive, um, and also the amount of inquiries that we've had from our listenership. I cannot thank you enough uh, for you guys kind of having this in the back of your mind over a period of time, and then an opportunity arises. And whether it be you reach out to me directly or just go on the website, uh, I can promise you, you're in fantastic hands. I'm, I'm watching this process play out with my own company right now. Uh, we're, we're in, <laughs> we have made a light years improvement by moving over to congruity. And I promise you, I don't just say that because they're a sponsor. It's the absolute truth and encourage you to do the same. So whether you DM me on Twitter send us an email at the Nolcast account, uh, I'd love to introduce you. Otherwise, 
reach out to him directly and know that you'll be in fantastic hands. Absolutely. All right, let's get to a couple of these. Uh, Miami against Southern Miss. Uh, Miami's a team that I have downgraded my power ratings uh, for non-injury reasons more than some other teams. Uh, like Boston College, I've downgraded due to injury, obviously. But Miami, we asked in the preseason wh- who, which receivers will step up. So far, they have not had those receivers step up. They had to have a flea flicker to get one of their few explosive plays against Southern Miss and as like you know, Somo's backup quarterback, right? Because their, their starter, Ty Keys, didn't play. Uh, now, you could tell me it was a look-ahead game, and it is because they have a on deck. You can tell me that's why the crowd didn't show up, and that – that makes sense, certainly. But that offense does not look in sync. And I I am not saying he cannot because I do not want this to be turned into like, like an old takes or cold takes, whatever, freezing cold takes, whatever. Old takes exposed. I am not saying that Ben Dyke cannot read defenses because I think he probably will be able to read defenses eventually. But either his receivers are running the wrong routes or he does not trust them to run the correct routes yet because of what he's seen in practice, or he's just slow to read it out. Because last year, that offense that Lashley runs, there's not a whole lot of reading defenses. It spreads super wide. It's sort of just idiot-proof at the QB position. Again, not that Ben Dyke is that. I think he's probably actually a really good player. But so far, he and his receivers are not in sync. He's late with it consistently. I mean, they, they could have had more picks in that game that, that uh, DBs got their hands on. Uh, they don't have anybody at receiver right now who looks like they're really separating. The defense, they forced some difficult throws, and that kid for Southern Miss hit some. You know, I do kind of think Miami's probably pretty good on defense, but they haven't really shown it to that level yet. And yet I feel like the number of transfers that are high quality that they took should mean they have a pretty good defense. And I do trust Kevin Steele as a coordinator. I just... This offense is is not as far along as Miami fans had hoped it, it would be. And I, I at this point I feel like like if they played tomorrow, um, I think the defense for both teams would have an advantage in these games. Yeah, just something we'll have to watch and monitor. I have a little bit of skepticism as to what they're doing in the back of their defense. We'll have to yeah. see how that plays out with uh, with more you know impressive competition. I do have to love that that our old friend Jimbo just absolutely took the air out of uh, any kind of win that they could get this weekend. Now, look, if you go and travel and beat Texas A&M at Kyle Field, it would be a nice victory, and I'll tip my hat off to you, but certainly not what it would have been had they not you know, messed around and run 39 plays against App State or whatever it was in, in the most Jimbo fashion of all Jimbo fashions. So, um, yeah, really look forward to next weekend and see what we can learn about Miami. But uh, I do – you know, some of the some of what I thought their strengths would be aren't quite materializing through the first two or three games. And uh, we'll see if that changes. Yeah, and, and it could click. Like, we can't rule this out. Uh, we're, we're not downgrading them on injury. We're just downgrading them because they're not quite as good as, as we thought they would be at this point in the year. Um, Syracuse-UConn. Syracuse handled UConn. They, they won by, by 34 points. Game was never in doubt. That was a pretty dominant effort. UConn is not good. Uh, but I would expect FSU to win by a similar margin if they travel to UConn, and uh, and they did. So Syracuse is the team on FSU's schedule that I am upgrading the most by far. They they have their stuff together. 
I had real questions about how that offense would, would work with their pieces, and it works great right now uh, through two games, one of whom is UConn, and the other is Louisville, who has not consistently played good defense under Scott Satterfield. So, you know, caveat and tour. Uh, defensively, they still are extremely light in the front, and they did lose a starting linebacker for the year in Thompson. So that'll be something for us to watch. How many more injuries can they sustain up front if they do catch them? And do they get pushed around? I thought Louisville was going to push these guys around because Louisville's pretty beefy up front and Syracuse is tiny on their D-line. But they use movement and stunting to really confuse Syracuse. I think you obviously need to anticipate that if you're any school playing them going forward, and we'll see who can push them around. Starting with maybe Purdue this weekend, we'll, we'll, we'll get a look at how, how Purdue plays them in the Dome. Uh, but, yeah, Syracuse is, is by far the one that you are uh, – you're most upgrading in terms of opponent difficulty on this schedule. Real quickly, won't spend a lot of time on this, but Louisiana plays Eastern Michigan, beats them 49-21. They were down 14-0 in this game for about 40 minutes. And then they've been – I have been following this for for live wagering purposes. They've been juggling quarterbacks, and the one kid who I – I got his name in my spreadsheet somewhere, but the one kid is much better than the other guy. And – they were the recipient of four second-half turnovers from Eastern Michigan, so that is helpful. But for a lot of this game, it looked like not only would they not not cover uh, the 11-point spread, but it looked like they would lose. And then they 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 flipped the switch and uh, looked like a, like a pretty pretty quality Sun Belt team, but not 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 anywhere near as good as last year's team. Florida versus Kentucky, bud. What what did we learn other than that? AR fifteen is not the uh, whatever hybrid of Dak Prescott and Tim Tebow or Cam Newton or whatever that ridiculous quote was. Yeah. You know, from a running perspective, he might be from a throwing perspective. uh, I caught some flack on cover three for discussing how, like I knew some guys on that Florida staff and they were very skeptical, like the old Florida staff. And they were skeptical that Napier and his staff would have him be like a generational quarterback this year, but they were still very long. Like they were still very bullish on him long-term which I thought was interesting. And to me, I take that conversation to basically mean he's more raw than Florida fans wanted to believe. Okay. What Kentucky did was they played a lot of zone. They kept 11 eyes on him and they made him throw accurately and uh, in concert with his receivers, which, Hey, it's good to be on the same page with your receivers on that one pick six or, you know, interception went deep back into territory. Uh, he was not in, in concert with his receivers. I'm not sure if that's on him or the receivers, but uh, they really did dare him to be consistent. And he was not able to be consistent. Uh, I think that's what FSU will do as well. Not, like It's kind of kind of the LSU plan for, for, for the Knowles defense. Nothing over the top. Can we stop the run with, with a light or moderate box? If we got to bring a guy down, I think you play more cover three type stuff. Again, nothing over the top. Can this, can, can this, this inexperienced but pretty talented guy be consistent and consistently accurate to beat you. I think he was sub 50% passing in this game. Is that right? Yeah, um, he was. When he, I mean, that's, that's terrible. 29 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Florida's D-line, we have discussed throughout this offseason that they do not have good depth, right? The backups are not quality players at a lot of the spots. I am starting to think that their starting defensive line is not as good as I thought it was. Now, I could be wrong about that, but – um, 
Kentucky's O-line is not good. And granted, Florida only allowed 270 yards, and Kentucky fans are all over my butt on on, uh, on Twitter because I pointed this out, and they're like, well, you, you got to take off the 40 yards for the bad punt snap, which is fair. So let's call it 310. Kentucky only had 310 yards against these guys, one of which was like a 60-yard touchdown pass. So in fairness, they did not move the Gators off the ball that much, but Florida did not really dominate them either. And I don't think Kentucky's O-line is good this year. I actually think it's, it's a significant downgrade from where it was in years prior. So for UF, for me, better offensive line than I think people probably realize. D-line depth remains a major concern. They've got to stay healthy if they want to have an eight or nine win year this year. Receivers are not scary. Maybe not terrible, but just they don't scare you. Uh, I think linebackers okay. Defensive backfield, I think, is pretty good. Even the ones Kentucky got were, were like the one catch the kid made was amazing. It was the coverage was was fine by the Gators, and we'll have to see how they do uh, when teams play more zone against them and and, and just really focus on limiting AR uh, running and 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 uh, him trying to hit the explosive play over the top. Yeah, I was being kind. Fourteen to thirty-five is the official yeah, stat line. That is under fifty percent. I mean, we went to Florida State, but yeah. uh, I can do a little math. That's Oh, uh, shut out in the second half. That was a uh, an interesting dose of reality delivered to Gainesville on Saturday night. So. And now they got to go on the road to play Kentucky or uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, we got a nice, entertaining victory uh, against Pitt. Wouldn't mind seeing Pitt and Tennessee play each other once a year based off the past performances that they've given. Um, you know, so Friday night brings us Florida State's next game, whether it be a Friday night, whether it be a Sunday brunch. Always want to thank our friends at Charlie Park, Tallahassee's premier rooftop bar. Uh, again, make reservations. We would highly encourage it, particularly for the brunch on Sundays, which is an absolute full spread, oysters, uh, mimosas, all the wonderful things that you could hope and want a brunch has to offer. Uh, so reach out to them for reservations. Thank you, as always, to the broader team at For the Table, whether that be Township, Madison Social, Anything else? I don't know if we talked about the fact that Brooks Kepka was hanging around at Township. Yes, we did. I remember that now. A choice of smart and wealthy people all over the place. And if you're not smart and wealthy, it's pretty great, too, from a, another Can Charlie Park make you be smart and wealthy? Yes. You can uh, certainly appear that way on a Friday evening, if nothing else. So, All right. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our final segment here, brought to you by Charlie Park, as you said. Texas A&M and App State. I've already discussed this like three times on cover three and pretty much every single time it was brought up this off season. I said, I was betting under on Texas A&M's win total, but also I had a national title ticket on them because the amount of talent on that team, you have to respect it. And if Jimbo were to be a little more uh, progressive or less stubborn with that offense, perhaps they could put all the pieces together. If, uh, if Alabama slipped and sneak into the playoff and win it all. So, you know, 41, 60 to one type tickets I was interested in, on the Aggies. Uh, unfortunately, they have not decided to play differently on offense. They uh, are actually look worse than they have ever been. They had a 2011 Virginia-style game. If you guys recall that, that was the uh, drop-into-the-knees game, I believe. It's the uh, Burt Reed play. Yes. The Burt Reed. Yeah. We, we coached Burt Reed. We, we intentionally we dropped that. the ball. Yes. We yeah, because Burt Reed was such a self-aware player that that was the guy <laughs> who was going to do that intentionally for you. Okay. <sighs> 38 plays, man. Jarman I mean, that's the knee surgery. That's the number. Uh, 38 play. You ran 38 plays favorite? in 2022. 
uh, probably the kickoff around. return. That was my favorite. Yeah. The, the the one offensive explosion that they had. Uh, incredible, man. I mean, obviously, thirteen, 13 complete passes. Yeah, uh, seven first downs. Uh, all the Jimbo highlights. Absolutely. I mean, incredible. Like, if they don't get this turnaround, they're going to have a lot of transfers out of that program. And that's what I was going to say. Having problems with losing with boosters. That's as old as college football ever have problems with boosters because you're losing and the kids that you just paid, you know, however many hundreds of thousands or more dollars to come, that's going to be a whole nother issue. So uh, I think Jimbo's safe for the time being. He's got like a $97 million or whatever, which is just nuts. But um, I had a friend of mine who's an agent text me on Saturday saying hats being passed. Scott, you know, Scott Frost ain't going to be there for much longer. And if you get enough freaking pissed off boosters who just start saying whatever, uh, that would be, I, I don't think that's going to happen this year, but no, what, what happened on Saturday is how the process starts undoubtedly. And if you start seeing kids that old oil money, the third spent X amount of hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to get jump in the transfer portal, then, uh, it's going to get uh, going to get ugly real quickly out there. So that we'll that's going to happen. Uh, I, if they don't get this thing turned around, I mean, it, five star receiver, like number one receiver type kid in the country, Evan Stewart, five catches, forty eight yards against App State week prior. North Carolina scored sixty three on these guys. North Carolina had, I think it was sixteen explosive pass plays. Texas A and M, one. 19 yards. 19 yards was AM's longest pass play of the day. Their longest design run was 26 yards. This offense just plays in a box. They just don't how many times how many times have we talked about this? Like hundreds, you think? I think we do 75 episodes a year. We've been around for a decade. That's 750 episodes-ish. We've probably talked about this. 200, 300 times on the Nolcast? We did like 500 plus episodes plays. with Jimbo as the coach. So, yeah, I think that's probably yeah. safe. I mean, even in wins, it was like, why do you have to play so freaking slow? Why do you? It's cool that, like, you want to design an offense where everybody everybody on every play is theoretically open if you make the right read. But they don't do the thing where they design it for one guy to be open or one guy per side to be open. Like, they don't – because that technically, like, you run the risk of failure if the defense snuffs that out. The problem is the stuff they run, you have to be way too good at at the quarterback position and at the receiver position in terms of development, which the receiver development is god-awful over the last decade. I mean, like, if, if you're a four – you pointed it out, right? Like, what you you had some stats on it. it. It I think you're correct in pointing it out, man. It was like, if you're a four- or five-star receiver and you sign with that offense, chances are you're going pro in something other than sports, to, to use the NCAA slogan. Because you don't get very, balls, uh, lead, you don't get the ball thrown to you. They threw the ball twenty times. They had eighteen passes. To discuss in one, Hakeem Williams, but oh uh, yeah, that's that's a good transition there. That's a good transition. He was so, not in. Uh, he was not in attendance. He was in, in Pittsburgh, wasn't he? In Pitt, where they yeah. also didn't throw the ball very much, and their quarterback got knocked out of the game because Narduzzi elected to punt from Tennessee territory with under two minutes left to go, but then. Decided he wanted to go for it from his own like 30 with nine seconds left to go. And that resulted in strip sack, fumble, concussion. 
probably the worst possible like two minutes. And, and Narduzzi today called himself a quote dumbass for how he handled. It. And I was like, agreed. Yes. Yeah. Like this is not quite as bad as you kicking the field goal. Were they down 12 and kick the field goal uh, with six minutes left to go against Penn state the one year? I was like, do you, bro, do you math? Like, like you can't, Oh, we cut it to nine. <laughs> like what? It was, it was insane that, but, but it was up there. Um, still Pitt, Pitt did have a really nice home crowd from what I saw on TV. I don't think Pitt is that serious of a contender for hiking Williams. Uh, if A&M does not have a good game, you can't ever count them out given what they do with their program, but things are, are not good there. I mean, Josh Pate on late kick pulled out a milk carton or milk Loved jug. It. It's it expired 2014. He's like watching Jimbo's offense is like making people drink this every single. And I was like, Whoa, that's, it's a great visual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nicholson. Still feel good there. Still feel. Yeah. I mean, until I hear otherwise, I think you are, have, you know, quietly or not quietly, depending on how you view it, just kind of sat pole position here for about six or eight weeks and uh, continuously, maybe longer than that. Even uh, I think you are going to do something that I didn't think you would, which is sign a high quality linebacker from the other side of the country. So uh, obviously credit to, to Derek Ray there and some of the relationships that exist. Uh, but that's continues to stay positive for Florida state at this point in time. Uh, Zach Blostein does a really good article on Knowles 24 seven. I think knee, knee writes sometimes too. Out who wrote it this week. I'll uh I'll give both these guys credit. And Dreamus Jacobs continues to go off. So that's encouraging. Um I know they were talking about his rating. I would say like the performances that I've seen from him in Tallahassee are much better than the performances he has put up at national camps. And the camps that they've had in Tallahassee have not had good talent relative to the camps at which he didn't show off. Yeah. So that's probably where the disconnect is, if I had to guess. But obviously, they always watch everybody's film for potential re-ratings, and he is putting up big-time numbers this year, and we'll just have to watch and see how that goes. But I know FSU feels feels pretty happy with their take there. Yeah, he looked like he uh, looked like he was playing <laughs> looked like he was playing in Tallahassee on uh, on Friday night. Some of those some of those videos uh, this season have been particularly strong. So uh, also, absolutely. Kroman Hoke, dude, is a stud. Yeah, Kroman Hoke's like an absolute legit quarterback. And uh, I don't think you're going to like – let me see how I can couch this. I just think Florida State has stayed in it uh, with the kid from Baton Rouge Catholic as well, Shelton Sampson. I I don't think you're going to necessarily see him flip immediately or anything like that. You don't don't get a kid in Baton Rouge to commit to you in in August or whatever it was he made his decision. I think you just stay in it. You stay involved. Uh, and if you see things break your way, I don't, again, I'm not saying that Florida state leads or anything there. I just think they've had a consistent effort, consistent dialogue. And, uh, you know, they've put themselves to, to maybe be able to circle back later in the recruiting calendar and have some success there. And always, obviously there's the, the portal should things not go uh, as planned once you do arrive. But I, I think that's still a, a recruitment to Florida state is uh, closely monitoring. 100%. Um, that's that would be big, right? Like if you could somehow get two receivers in this class, that'd be uh, that'd be interesting. I'll also wonder how the Jalen Brown thing goes, right? We'll have to see how LSU season goes. I 
LSU is not as good as I thought they were, but they're, I don't think they're a terrible team. Um, I think they're better than Auburn after watching Auburn. I don't know if you, if you watched cover three last week, but I, I did give out. I was like, Hey, like if you want to put like, like a $5 on something for uh, for a little, just Saturday night drama, uh, San Jose state and San Jose state winning on the planes did not happen, but it came a lot closer than anybody expected it to. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think Auburn gets gets shut down offensively by Penn State this weekend. So, you know, um, could be interesting. Could be very know. interesting. I'm not sure how many other games LSU's favored in in the SEC though right now. They need to get some guys back from suspension and uh, an injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, man. Unless you got anything else, this will be the uh, coming out of a bye week. Uh, Noel Cast will have a full Louisville preview on uh, probably Thursday for you guys. Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll want that to be Thursday, being that it's a Friday game. So, yeah, we'll get on that immediately. Uh, look forward to that. think I'm going to get a chance to run up there and see the game in person. So excited about that, as always. I'll have the instant, I believe. Yeah, that'll be an instant to Bud, and uh, hopefully it'll be a 3-0 instant. But uh, until the Louisville preview, for myself, Bud, everybody associated with the Nolcast, appreciate you listening. Appreciate you finding us. If you had to go out of your way to do it during this week, we apologize. Uh, we'll be back on all traditional podcast platforms as soon as possible, I can assure you. So till then, we'll talk soon. <laughs>